0: If the characterization is done properly, then even a weak, spineless, lifeless, pity party husk of a human being is still going to feel real, and that weakness is going to make sense in its own way. Hi, this is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best selling and award winning author of kick-ass international thrillers and this is the taylor stevens show with my good friend steve campbell where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time
1: taylor i'm trying to think back on the number of times we've rolled into june with this podcast and i've asked you about summers and your kids being away from school is this the fourth time we've that we've done this for chit chat
0: I honestly think that we probably are. Have we been doing this for 4 years?
1: It turns out the first episode was May 18th, 2015, so we just passed 3 years with the podcast.
0: Yeah, put me put me back in a timeline of like here. Now you are present in time. X marks the spot.
1: <laughs> One of the things that's horrifying for me when I when I look and realize that this is episode number 148 I started doing The Author Biz, and for people who don't know, I do another podcast called The Author Biz. Which is
0: fantastic, by the way.
1: Just by myself and guests. So I don't have someone to talk to every week, uh, and it's it's a lot more trouble to do. (laughs) than this show is this show is just a delight to do every week
0: the only reason we're doing this show steve is because you said you would do it with me and we'd have somebody to talk
1: (laughs) exactly exactly so we should do the author biz too and then we could just have two podcasts that we do together and then i would do them the the thing is i i started the author biz way before we started this podcast like way before and we have more episodes of The Taylor Stevens Show than I have of The Author Biz.
0: In fairness, The Author Biz shows are a lot longer and more in-depth and uh, all, all over the, the map in terms of self-publishing business type stuff. And that's a little more difficult to do.
1: Yes. And I, let, me, let me pimp a show here that I did uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was with a singer-songwriter. I've been intrigued with the idea of the way that people that are artists in different areas are all kind of faced with the same thing. Everyone has to build an audience. Everyone has to sell their work, whether it's a book or a painting or a song or whatever. And so I had a, uh, a singer-songwriter on who, who is also an author, and we talked about the things that she does to promote her, her work. And it was fascinating because just the nature of being that kind of a personality as opposed to someone who is sitting in front of a computer all day long writing words as opposed to being in front of people most of the time performing on stage hmm. and doing things like that. It was fascinating. And I, I really yeah. enjoyed that. So I, that is one of the really cool things about the author business, like whatever pops into my mind that I think might be interesting for me or for the listeners, or that I think people can learn from, then we just do it, which is kind of cool. All right, we, we actually are going to we have uh, listener questions today, right? yes and we love listener questions so if you have questions about writing the writing life um just life in general uh we'd love to hear them because every so often we do uh just listener questions and those are great fun to do as shows so we love them and this is one of those okay taylor do you want to open up with the first question
0: Yes. Well, actually, I want to open up with a compliment. Oh, with the first question. How nice. Let me turn the volume
1: up in the (laughs) uh, in the post processing.
0: I don't actually have permission to use this author's name. Uh, Not that they declined permission. I just didn't ask. Um, so I am going to skip the, anything that's like identifying, but it says, Dear Ms. Stevens, I'd like to thank you for your wonderful podcast. They've been more help to me than all the books and classes I've read, attended, put together. Silly me. I sent my first manuscript to an agent when I thought it was finished. She wrote back, good idea, good plot, but it needs editing. She suggested an editor. When I found out how much it would cost, I realized I would have to learn what to do. Now, two years later, the book is a finalist for an award, which I'm not going to mention because I don't have permission to.
1: A prestigious award, I can tell you that.
0: And it's thanks to you in many, many ways. And thanks for the archive list, as sometimes I listen again and again. Now, two questions. And I just want to say thank you so much for that praise. Oh, my God. I'm like, yeah. And can we just say,
1: woohoo, congratulations on the the award nomination. That's fantastic.
0: Absolutely. So here's the questions. I submitted my second book to XYZ, something else, and it didn't place. And I'm not surprised. It still needs a lot of work, but I wanted their feedback. Now, I've got the feedback and two things I don't know how to deal with. One judge commented that the dead person's sister was so weak, her character, not the description of her, that it was impossible to connect with her and to care what happened to the family. Totally unlikable. I've been struggling with this since I read it. The woman is weak. I don't like her either. Neither does my protagonist, but I can't seem to change her. Nothing works if I change her. Is it wrong to have a character as one of the the good guys who is unlikable? So let's tackle that. That's actually the harder of the two questions, but let's let's tackle that one first. And so I did write this person back, but I felt like this was something that would be beneficial to all of our listeners, and why waste a good question? So, all right, not having had a chance to read that material for myself, I kind of just have to take a stab at it. And my gut is telling me that weak character is not the problem that the problem is weak characterization because it's really fine to have a protagonist, even a good guy who's unlikable. I mean, for that matter, a lot of people who love the Monroe books don't really care for Monroe. She's a hard character to like if you don't get her. But what's not fine is to have a character people don't like because they don't understand why the character is the way they are from that character's point of view. So if, if someone doesn't understand the emotion that's driving the actions or the words or the lack thereof, then it's really hard to, to identify with that character whether you like them or not. What is the character fear? What is the character running from? What does the character want more than anything else in the world? What is driving the character to behave the way they do? What makes the character this weak, ineffectual person to begin with? Because when we understand a character's inner drama, what it is that's causing them to refuse to react or to behave passively, then we can at least empathize with them, even if we disagree with them or we still don't like them. And to that end, if the character is aware of their own failings and maybe even hates on themselves for wishing they could be otherwise and feels like trapped or imprisoned or paralyzed by their own fears or indifference, well, we can relate to that, too. We can pity them, even if we don't like them. But to get from here to there, like to go from weak characterization to weak character, which are two completely separate things, you have to keep asking yourself, why? Why is she this way? What's driving the behavior? What happened in the past that makes her behave like this? And if you keep asking yourself and you keep digging down and you keep digging down until you understand the character to the core, then that character is going to become real to you as the author. And when it's real to you, even if you don't care for the person, even if your protagonist doesn't care for the person, that understanding and empathization is there. And that's really what you're looking for. You're looking for that reader connection with the character. So again, I just like totally went out on, limb on this because I didn't read the material. I really have no idea. And I'm, I'm just suspecting that this character doesn't have their own point of view in the book, because if a character has their own point of view, it's so much easier for all of those things to be answered. And and the reader isn't left with all those same questions. Um, And it's also a whole lot easier to fix if the character has their own point of view, because you can rework those segments and really crawl into the character's head. So even if readers still loathe the character, they're not going to loathe her for not understanding why she is what she is. And so if the characterization is done properly, then even a weak, spineless, lifeless, pity party, husk of a human being is still going to feel (laughs) real. And that weakness is going to make sense in its own way. And a, a byproduct of that is if that characterization is done really well, readers might even despise the character even more than they do in the first round simply because they understand what it is and now instead of this vague uh factor of like i don't get this character i don't like this character it's like ooh, i hate this character but that's fine because there is that that human connection your readers are feeling it now so they can hate the character that's fine they can love the character that's fine you don't want them to hate or, or loathe or just ugh the character because they don't get the character. And Cersei is one of the ones that comes to mind from Game of Thrones is, you know, people hate her, but you can still understand why she's doing what she's doing. And, you know, you cheer when the bad guys get it, but you cheer because you actually care. And the reason you care is because the characterization is done so well. So, If the character has their own POV, it's so much easier. If the character doesn't have a POV, it's hard because everything about the character has to be shown through someone else's eyes. And it can still be done, but it has to be done through the point of view characters, like thinking, their inner dialogue, their reflecting on what that person is saying, their impression of the unlikable character, maybe the history of the unlikable character through flashbacks or whatever. And if the main character doesn't like this person, it needs to be really clear why they don't like that person, because that, too, is characterization. So when someone comes to me and says, I, um, you know, I'm being told this character is awful and nobody likes her, I go out on a limb and say, there's a lot of inner world details that have been left out. So that was my advice to this person and it's my advice on the subject to any of our listeners who might be going through the same thing.
1: And it has been your advice to me (laughs) over the last (laughs) couple of years multiple times. (laughs) So you are very consistent with that.
0: Well, if for nothing else, consistent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Second question. I'm 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 staring at the second question and I'm really looking forward to hearing your answer.
0: So the second question is, the manuscript opens with dialogue, and the judge has written, never, never, never start in dialogue. And since you're the person I trust, I ask, why not? Well, if anybody's listened to this podcast for a considerable amount of time, then you already know why not. And Steve, I'm going to pop quiz you on this. Why don't we start with dialogue?
1: Disembodied voice.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's exactly right. So what I wrote back to this person is, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, particularly if you watch the Hack the Craft videos, which not everyone has time for those because they're much longer, right? Then you'll know one of my big don't do it rules is don't start with dialogue. And I refer to this as a disembodied voice. Yay, Steve. So the reason for it is because unless the reader already has a sense of who is speaking or already has a sense of character, then whatever that characterless voice is saying, it's just noise. So the reading mind has to get all of its inputs from the page. So you, the author, you already know who's talking. You already know the setting. You already know all of this stuff. And you start with that person talking. That's great, you've got pictures in your head, you've given your readers nothing. They're, the reading mind is like this thing, this, this, this body floating in space with no stars, nothing. And it's searching for something tangible to hold on to in terms of direction, imagery, or whatever. And in that state, when you have a character speak, it's like this voice out of nowhere, surround sound in the darkness, going, blah, 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 blah. There's, there's nothing for the reader to, to grasp onto. It's just a genderless, toneless voice in the dark, empty void. So then when the reader finally does know who's speaking, male, female, happy, sad, excited, grumpy, angry, they've got to go all the way back. And reframe whatever they wrote, they read in the perspective now that's been added on after. So you want to give them the perspective first and then give them the voice. That is why we don't use disembodied voices. So here's where I give my Patreon pitch. For those of you who are already patrons, bless your hearts. I appreciate you more than you can know because you're the ones that are keeping the podcast going you're the one that are ones that are just keeping this machine rolling to make it possible for me to to do all of this for free however at the higher levels on patreon there are some hack the craft videos that go into their tutorials that go into more detail about things like disembodied voices and how to create perspective so that it Makes your characters feel alive. There are not a lot of those videos yet because they take time for me to do. And between, and I've got a deadline that I'm trying to write this book that I'm under deadline for. So between that and trying to get the next Monroe written and doing these podcasts and doing Hack the Craft, I just get a little bit of everything done. But the ones, the videos that are there from the feedback that I've gotten on them are it takes what we learn here on this podcast to a whole different level. Um, So if you become a patron, you don't have to be a patron forever. You can be there for one month, get the videos and then quit. And I'll be sad, but not offended because I understand. So there's more out there than what's here. Not a lot, but maybe two hours worth of material, maybe a little more, I'm not sure. So it's worth it. I, I think it's worth it because when you get feedback, like what I've learned from you is been more valuable than all the books and everything that I've ever read combined, well, save yourself the money. Go go get the material and, you know, help, help to keep more of it coming. That's my little pitch, because I am not the type of person, as Steve well knows, who can trumpet my own...
1: Which is why I normally have to do the Patreon commercials.
0: Yeah, I, I just can't. I'm not going to go pat myself on the back and toot my own horn and say you've got to go check this out. It's so good. I just can't do that. So if I'm here going, listen, guys, this material is really valuable. You should go watch it. It is. Because I would not say it otherwise unless I felt like I could 100% absolutely deliver on it and then some.
1: And uh, let me just throw in a little bit here. First off, we do a lot of Hack the Craft material on the podcast that winds up as videos that are free on Taylor's Patreon page. That's not what she's talking about. She's talking about really in-depth stuff. And Taylor and I have had specific conversations about some of this information where I'm able to ask questions off the air and just get her to, to explain it to me. And still watching the video, it's like, oh, that's what you're saying. Because it's so well presented. So, join up for that and love the fact that you're getting Monroe chapter by chapter.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I'm I'm trying, guys. I'm trying to get the material out there as fast as I can. But it's just so much to do in the juggle that it's like, what part of the world is going to burn down today if I don't take care of this? And that's kind of like... (laughs) That's why I never know what day of the week I'm on.
1: (laughs) I asked, before we started today, I asked Taylor if she went someplace over the weekend. And she's like, "Um, "I, um, what day is this? And And the sad thing was I knew exactly how she felt. So we had a good laugh over that. And she was able to spin it back up and tell me what she'd done over the weekend. So she's not that bad yet so don't yet.
0: worry Notice he says yet yes
1: all <laughs> right we have more questions
0: we do have we may have question. time for
1: one more question because we're running a little bit long
0: so this is from a reader who was asking my advice on book reviews and it was in response to my email where i'm talking about uh, this this unadulterated, despiteful criticism that is not beneficial at all, not critiques, not helpful, but just you no. Know, the author is so stupid. How could they ever have gotten this book published, that type of stuff to just ignore it but acknowledge that it's going to hurt, right? So in response to that, he says, I've seen the type of review garbage that you've described. Fortunately, not that many, though. I would never write a book review like that. If I thought that a book was 10% as bad as some of your descriptions, I would just stop reading it and move on to the next one on my list. And he gives me some more information. and, And then he says, I'm a fairly sensitive person and don't like inflicting pain on undeserving people. Occasionally, I pick up a book and decide that I don't like it all that much, but that it has some redeeming characteristics. Maybe I didn't realize it was a genre, which I'm not particularly fond of. I frequently finish it anyway because I paid good money for it, and being a Scotsman, I hate wasting money more than (laughs) I dislike finishing a slightly boring book. I frequently even finish a book in that category when I got it for free, usually from some independent author desperately seeking reviews. Occasionally, I've picked one in a genre I don't care for by mistake. I sense that some people who like that particular genre would enjoy the book. I debate with myself on whether I should review it or not. They did give it to me expecting review. It's well-written and grammatically correct. If I'd like the genre, I'd probably like the book. So what do I do? I feel like I owe the author a review, but if I don't like the book because of my personal biases, what kind of review can I give that's fair to the author? And I thought that was a fantastic Question and I asked permission to use it on air, and he said, Absolutely, go ahead.
1: All right, I'm, I'm anxious to hear this because I think we might have different opinions on this.
0: All right. I said, Here's the thing about reviews what a lot of reviewers forget a really well written review that supports the book isn't about the author who wrote the book, and it isn't about the reviewer who read the book. A really well crafted review is written for potential readers who are trying to decide if they should read the book. And when readers know where you're coming from with a review and why you rated it the way that you did, it actually is helpful to them in determining what you did or didn't like. When a poor review is done really well, it can actually help a book. It takes experience for an author to realize that, though, and anything less than glowing praise could be really hard for the author to read, painful. But it's the type of tough love where if you really want to help the author, then a solid poor review is the way to go. Something like, This book isn't something I normally read. My main genre preferences are ABC and XYZ, so I'm not the target audience for this book, and my review is coming from that perspective. That said, it did keep me engaged enough to keep turning the pages and get to the end. The writing is strong, the characterization is solid, and the plot held together really well. I've given it three stars because of where it ranked for me, but for those who enjoy XYZ genre, it'd probably be a solid four or five star and definitely worth giving a try. Now, if you really want to fight for the author, you can take it a step further by reading some of the worst reviews before you contribute yours and countering some of the stupidity. A three-star review that goes to bat for the author and tells reader whether one-star reviewers are wrong is worth more than 10 five-star reviews in terms of supporting the author. If you say something like, I see a few reviewers have complained about this book because X... However, even as someone who doesn't particularly enjoy this genre, I didn't see it that way at all because X, Y, Z. And I would say ABC about it instead. So all of that to say, even if you didn't particularly enjoy the book, you can still fight for the author with a truthful review that doesn't praise the book to the heavens. Now, if you really didn't like the book because it was just bad... And not because it was genre preference. Then maybe the helpful thing is to not leave a review. But that's a different story.
1: Okay, I I completely agree with what you were saying about the uh, the three star review thing. And we actually I think we did a whole show on this one time. The value of those. And I've I've used that. You're thinking on that with lots of authors that I know who are saying, I cannot believe I got this review. And I look at the review and it's like, that is the best thing that could happen to you. Right. And encourage the people that love you to go and vote that review up. Because if people see that as the example of the bad review, they're going to want to buy the book.
0: Absolutely.
1: Now, something that is really important to understand is that the Amazon algorithms don't seem to be based on the number of words in a review, the glowing praise in the review. What they're based on is the number of reviews and the star rating. So Interesting. if you don't want to, if you want to support an author, whether you love the book or not, if you want to support an author, rate the book and give it a one-sentence review. And that's fine. You're, you're doing something that will help to support the author there. If you love the book, then go into lots of detail and try and be that review that other people look to, the one that gets voted up to the top. But it's not a competition. Don't lie about it. If you didn't love the book, just you know say, hey, you know, great storyline, uh, great ending, really love this character, give it your rating, and you're done. Yeah, and and move on. You have helped the author immensely. If you love it, explain the reasons why you loved it. And I, I really liked what Taylor said about um, you know g- giving more detail. But you don't have to do that, especially if someone is coercing you to a certain extent into writing a review, which I think is kind of creepy. And I've seen it. I've, I've been a part of that before. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I get a lot of free books, and if I love them or even like them, I'm going to write a review to support the author. Um, But very seldom do I go beyond maybe four or five sentences or two paragraphs. Uh, I've got to really like something to do that. And if if I just kind of like it and I, I just want I want to tick that, tickle that Amazon algorithm. I'll just write a short review, give it the star rating I think is right, and and move on. And there's a lot of value in doing that. That's really
0: good advice.
1: And there are other things you can do to support the author as well. If you really like the book, you can share it on Facebook. You can share your review on Facebook. Um, if, if you wrote a, a, a brilliant um, or, or something that you think is really good as a review... Uh, There are lots of ways of of supporting an author, and if you're just not that crazy about the book, I don't don't know that you're helping anybody by writing a review that's not accurate.
0: Well, I mean, there's a difference between writing an accurate review that you're not crazy about the book. You can still tell people, if this is you, you're going to love it. Like, if this is your type of book, you're going to love it. But
1: no, if you're doing that, he's describing a situation where he's dealing with an indie author or indie authors, and... 90% 90% of indie authors are not going to see that as valuable. They have to learn how valuable those are.
0: Exactly, which is why I'm like, that's tough love. If, you're, if you really love that author, you're going to care more about helping to support them by promoting the book than caring about their little feelings at that point in time because they haven't grown enough in the industry to realize what a favor you're doing to them.
1: But they may never grow that much. They
0: may never. That's true. It'll be an unrequited appreciation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. But it's a great question. I, it really is a great question. And, and the whole thing about reviews, um, it I don't know. I love leaving reviews for books that I enjoy. And I don't like fussing with them too much if it takes more than five minutes it's too much unless i really love the book and then i want my review to be one of those ones that's voted up near the top that people see
0: right and it's just as another thought you know as as an author who've had people open up my books and be horrifically disappointed because they were not as they were portrayed to be by you know vanessa Monroe. The next Lisbeth Salander, like, she's nothing like Lisbeth Salander. You suck. Um, <laughs> is, is, <laughs> that's the type of thing that's helpful in a review. Everybody keeps saying this character is like Lisbeth Salander, but she's not. She's her own person. So if you're going into this thinking you're going to read Millennial Series, book four, or whatever, this is not your book. That's helpful to the author, you know, that type of stuff.
1: Yes. all right this is this has been a good show i don't think we have time for any more questions but if you do have if you do have questions please send them in because we love doing these shows and i I think they kind of turn out to be sort of entertaining and educational for me yes they're
0: fun a lot of fun
1: all right so any last words of wisdom taylor
0: I think I've used up my five words of wisdom for the week.
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. All
0: right, guys. We'll see you next week.